hey, God has created you a boy. God has created you a girl. It doesn't matter what you feel or what other people say about you. Those things are solid and unchanging. That reaffirms the kid to believe those things. What you believe affects your feelings. And that's what parents should be doing, encouraging kids to believe reality as it really is. Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast this week. We have some fun things to share with you all. We have Bill that would make human trafficking a serious or a violent felony. A serious felony. Yes, a serious felony for minors was blocked by some Democrat legislators. So we'll dive into that, as well as Governor Newsom is actually speaking out about it. And then we have actually just this morning, a detransitioner testified in opposition to a bill and basically told the legislators that if they vote yes on that bill, they're no different than the doctor who cut off her healthy body parts and performed surgery on her. So Crazy. we'll get into that. But before we get into that, the coffee, we need to talk about it. I have my normal mm. order, a dirty chai with almond milk. And Greg went out and got the coffee for us a little bit ago. and I've been... I know, and it started to melt, yes. so I, <laughs> I started drinking it. It's no. my fault. I made us take a little bit longer, but... Anyways, let's now go into AB5, Greg. Yeah, AB5 is a bill that has been introduced to deal with training that a legislator thinks all our public school teachers need in order that LGBT-identified kids feel comfortable at school. But what it really is, everybody should feel comfortable at school. Mm -hmm. Everybody should go feeling safe knowing they're not going to be harassed. But in order, here's the indoctrination that happens. The the philosophy is that everybody must think the same way about gender, transgenderism, Mm -hmm. sexual orientation. And once everybody thinks the same way, then kids will feel comfortable. And what we should be teaching kids is, hey, we're all different. We all got different belief systems. How about be tolerant and caring and nice to those who you disagree with? That would be nice. That's how you generate peace and tranquility in relationships among students and staff. But indoctrination seems to be the way they're doing this. And we had a great hearing this morning on the bill. We had a young girl who was told at the age of 12, she was struggling with her gender identity. She was struggling with a lot of mental health problems and she saw on social media that trans those transgender activists were saying, hey, maybe your problem is the fact that you're really a boy trapped in a girl's body. That took hold on her and she went to the doctor. She told her parents she was really a boy and they proceeded to put her on puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and eventually at the age of 13, 13, they removed her breasts. And so she was testifying today. So it's a gripping testimony you got to hear it. My name is Layla. I am one of many detran- detransitioners who was harmed by gender-affirming care. 
My childhood was filled with depression, mood swings, violent outbursts, suicidality, and self-harm. At 11, I discovered transgender influencers online. I was hooked, and I was convinced that the reason for my pain was that I was trans. I had a long history of mental health issues in my med medical chart. None of that mattered when I made my announcement to the doctors. I was affirmed by adults like your laws say so. My mother was desperate to give me some relief and fell for the lies that I would improve by transitioned. Kaiser doctors put me on puberty blockers. My body reacted with hot flashes. I was even moodier. My doctor, after a 75-minute appointment with no mental health assessment, prescribed testosterone. Dr. Watson also cleared me for a radical double mastectomy. I was 12. Let that sink in. 12. I had never been kissed by anybody, never been touched, and I had no sense of what my breasts were for. I was a child answering a question about future mothering. I did not know if I wanted kids. That was good enough for the doctor to clear me to remove my breasts. My tattoo artist spent more time warning me about the long-term effects of this possum than any doctor did about the harms of the experimental drugs they were giving me. After I turned 13, doctors amputated my healthy breasts. My mental health did not improve. I was aggressive, erratic, and suicidal. All affirmative care did was add physical problems to my mental <coughs> ones. At 17, I realized I wasn't a boy, nor could I ever be one. I was just a mentally unwell kid who was sold a book of lies. Why do you keep passing laws that will ensure my story is repeated? Chloe Cole, another young woman who was a minor when she was put on puberty blockers and testosterone, had her breasts removed, and has, she has already testified before you. How many people must be irreversibly harmed before you get gender ideology out of the schools? It's not inclusive. It's not kind. It's barbaric. If you vote yes on AB5, can you live with the fact that you're just as guilty as the surgeon that cut me up? Wow, it's quite a conclusion there, telling legislators that they're, if they pass this bill, they're just as guilty as those doctors who cut off her healthy breasts. She's now involved in a lawsuit. She has sued her Kaiser doctors for negligence, and I hope she wins her case. And her testimony today in opposition to AB5 wasn't the only one. Erin Friday, she's an attorney. She is the co-lead of Our Duty, a parent group that's protecting children from being put into this whole gender ideology she testified today That's and right. even shared a little bit of her personal story so let's check that out yep my name is Erin Friday. I'm a licensed attorney. I am a co-lead of Our Duty. I'm a mother of a daughter who used to think that she was a boy. The school hid it from me. And this is what this bill is going to tell all teachers to do, to hide it from the parents. When I found out my daughter thought that she was transgender, we held her. We loved her a little bit stronger and we took her to a therapist and we, we, we reminded her how wonderful it is to be a woman. She came back to reality, lo and behold. She has all of her body parts, and she didn't take hormones. She's a, a grown 17-year-old young woman, and she's very grateful for the fact that I did not affirm her gender identity. This bill, Assemblymember Zabur, when you were with Equity California in 2016, you said that 41% of students who are LGBTQ have contemplated suicide. In 2023, in this bill, now you say it's 78%. We're going in the wrong direction, okay? And we're going in the wrong direction because schools are indoctrinating these kids. They're telling them that they can be born in the wrong body. Th this is what happens at the schools, because I'm, I'm a parent of a child who thought that she was transgender. So they kept it a secret. The school does go behind parents' backs, and that's what these, this bill will teach teachers to do, to keep it a secret from their parents. Schools have transition closets where children can go into school in one pair of clothing and then while they're at school, change into something else to keep it a secret from parents. I appreciate that. Schools also, they also are providing binders. No, this is what the training is about. This is not what the legislation is about. It is training teachers to hide from parents 
information. That's what it trains them. There is nothing in the bill that talks about detransition or about the medical harms. So it is an incomplete bill. If you want to educate the teachers about transgenderism, you have to educate it in total, which is not that the parents are monsters. There are no parents that are kicking their kids out of this. I work with thousands of parents. Thank, no thank parents. you. Your point is well taken. Mr. Wow. Here's what happens in this type of training. If you want a kid who's LGBT to feel good, you must affirm. What does affirm mean? You encourage their identity as they see it. There's, there's no questioning. It's called social transitioning. And actually, if a it used to be if a kid is struggling with a gender identity, the response was watch and waiting. Because most kids, once they reach puberty and adulthood, they... And if you don't socially transition them, you don't encourage them to act and be the other sex, kids outgrow it. They become comfortable in their own bodies. But if you socially transition a kid, young kid, we're talking elementary school, you change their names, their pronouns, you start referring to them the opposite sex, those kids go on to do medical transitioning. Cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, ask for surgeries. Then the, the transformation to be trans transgender remains permanent so social transitioning hurts kids but that's what this training is about affirm it like every kid knows who they are really every kid knows who they are they never they're never mistaken yeah and when did we switch to this idea of we need to affirm children and all of their feelings and their ideas i'm sure every five-year-old child wants to eat candy every night for dinner. Are you going to affirm that? Or as your, as a parent, do you know it's not healthy to do that? That's not what we're going to do. Some kids might not want to brush their teeth when they're little. Okay, do you affirm that because they don't want to do that? And it even goes along the lines of there are kids struggling with depression and suicide at a higher rate than ever. And so do we affirm that or do we go get them help? No, typically when a kid is struggling and they're feeling terrible about themselves, there's thing, there's thoughts going on in their mind that are wrong about themselves and their identity. So what does a good parent do? You remind the kid about reality. To in, You bolster their identity, right? Where is their worth coming from? Especially as a Christian, hey, God has created you a boy. God has created you a girl. It doesn't matter what you feel or what other people say about you. Those things are solid and unchanging. That reaffirms the kid to believe those things. What you believe affects your feelings. And that's what parents should be doing, encouraging kids to believe reality as it really is. So on to the next bill. That's right. SB 14. We have talked about SB 14 on the podcast a couple of times, right. as well as we've been sharing about SB 14 in our newsletter and social media for maybe the past three or four months. We've been really promoting this bill. It's a bill that we were super supportive of by Senator Shannon Grove. And the bill, it's been passing through committees. It passed through the Senate floor. And then it got blocked in an assembly committee yesterday. So can you explain to everyone listening a little bit about SB 14? Yeah, SB 14 is a bill that's targeted at human trafficking. It started out as a bill, surprisingly, here in California, we, there's a different types of felonies. There's regular felonies, and then there's serious and violent felonies. And depending on the designation, results in what type of penalties are available. Uh, a, and if you guys all know what the three strikes bill, three strikes law is, that's a law that says 
it says serious and violent felonies. If you do more than one, you do two, you do three, it increases, it adds additional time. So repeat offenders, folks who are not being reformed after the first time going to jail, it really throws, ups the ante and increases the penalty. But if a felony is just a regular felony, it doesn't count as a strike. And surprisingly, here in California, human trafficking, selling another person, making money off their own, their body by letting them be raped over and over, forcible kidnapping of those folks, and then selling them, even as a child, is not a serious felony. And so this bill just makes, it was started out making all human trafficking a serious felony, but they couldn't get that through. So they just said, okay, how about just minors? If you, tr- if you sell a minor then that's a serious felony. And that's what this bill was. And it made it out of the mm-hmm. Senate with almost universal support, which is unbelievable because the first time through last year, it died mm-hmm. in the Public Safety Committee. But now the Senate Public Safety Committee approved it. Then the Senate, I go back, but I think that nobody voted against it in the Senate. Then it comes to the Assembly, Assembly Public Safety Committee, and they couldn't get one Democrat on that committee. There's only two Republicans. Well, it couldn't get one Democrat to vote yes. And so the bill died yesterday. Appalling. Yeah, and there was two people there that did a phenomenal job testifying in support of the bill. The first being District Attorney Charmaine Bach from Alameda County area, and she did a great job. So let's just go ahead and listen to what she had to say. Thank you so much for having me. After being a DA for so long, you'd think, oh, she gets more conservative the longer you get there. It's actually the opposite is true. I'm a staunch supporter of criminal justice reform. I firmly believe that the answer is not incarceration, but prevention and rehabilitation. But in that context, I also believe that an exception needs to be made in certain instances. And I believe that the human trafficking of a child is one of those exceptions. Why? Because when I co-authored Prop 35 way back when, it was after coming before the Public Safety Committee after five tries. And we decided then somebody approached me from Facebook actually and put it on the statewide ballot and it passed higher than any initiative in the state of California. And we were focusing on one narrow issue there. But what we didn't anticipate was that the, land, the change in the landscape would actually change the numbers that we had. We thought that the triad of 5, 8, and 12 would be just 5, 8, and 12. And that would be a good number, that that number would work. But now 5, 8, and 12 is not 5, 8, and 12 anymore. And 12 is really like lightning striking or an earthquake. Like it, nobody gets 12. 12 is a rare bird. Right, 12 is like having an eagle land in your backyard. So five and eight, you do half on five, you do half on eight. So that's four, let's say, or two and a half. But now with the new CDC regs where we're trying to empty out our prisons, you're not even doing two and a half. So you sell a child for sex and you're getting like two. So what does that mean? Do you remember back in the day when environmental polluters CEOs were saying, oh, we're going to dump our toxic waste because it's just a cost of doing business and no one's going to go to jail. It'll just be a fine. We'll pay the fine. That's what traffickers are thinking. And I'm telling you this because I've been in the trenches for 33 years. 
So it's a cost-benefit analysis. The traffickers with five girls in their stable, they're making close to a million dollars. Sadly, there's no better bang for your buck, right? So they're saying, and these girls aren't going to show up. It's one of the hardest cases in the world to prove. It's a combination of domestic violence, sexual assault, drugs, you name it. It's all bundled into one case. So it's super hard to prove to get the two years that you get on after all of that. So they're like, yeah, baby, let's roll the dice. So they roll the dice, they think the girl's not showing up. What then happens is you've got your, they do the cost benefit analysis, they decide to go to trial, then all they're getting at the end of the day is two years. The other thing you need to realize, they're sociopaths. They're actually disconnected from the harm that they're inflicting. In all my years in prosecuting everything from murder to rape, you name it. I've actually done it all. Okay, I've done it all. I've never seen anybody like that. And they're emboldened by the fact that, that they're not going, that the law has no teeth. And who is suffering? The vast majority of the girls that are being prosecuted are black and brown girls, are most vulnerable. We need to protect them. I just want to make a quick comment about what she said that most people don't realize. On the books, it looks like we're tough on human trafficking. We got some of the penalties go 15 years to life, 12 years. That seems that's a steep penalty. But she said what's happening in practice that they get five to eight years. Then those eight years are chopped in half for good behavior. And then the, that's four years. And then four years is chopped a little more because we're letting more people out of prison. And think about that. for If you get four years, you get down to two. You get less than two years for trafficking a child. That's what's happening in practice. And it's to get a higher penalty is like getting struck by lightning. So that's the problem. Yeah, it's beyond awful. But if that testimony wasn't powerful enough to make all the legislators vote yes, this other testimony should have been as well. We have Odessa Perkins. She testified, and she's a survivor of human trafficking. And now she speaks out against it. So let's check out what she had to say. Dear Assembly, I am before you today as a survivor of human trafficking. My story is unique because I have endured many different facets of trafficking. From birth, I faced many challenges. Family members propositioned my mother to abort me. Then I started being touched and groomed. Then I started being made to have sex with grown men. And then I had sex with a lot of quote unquote uncles. And then I was trafficked to the highest bidder, drug dealers, but now what before you is a survivor. Let's be clear, everyone does not make it out. They say going through everything that I went through, I should be dead in jail, a drug addict, or a prostitute. However, I am neither, but so many still are. It's time out for feeling sorry for the monsters that prey on our most vulnerable individuals. I've heard the opposition state black Californians being disproportionately harmed by three strikes, mass incarceration of blacks, harm to communities, and I've heard many speak in jail about jail overcrowding. But I am here to say I was molested and raped repeatedly by black and white men and even some women. So it does not matter the race. What matters is saving our children. 
Traffickers are getting out of jail early and reoffending, continuing the horrific cycle of abuse and depravity. This law will not affect those that do not reoffend, but it will affect those that hurt our children. I ask you, why sacrifice me, a black daughter, and those like me, black, brown, trans, LGBTQ boys and girls that are currently being sold like slaves for money because you're afraid to put offenders, regardless of race, in jail where they belong. Trafficking have surpassed the illegal arms trade and it's on its way to passing the drug trade because you can resell a child over and over again for profit. The Pledge of Allegiance states, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. But how are trafficked victims receiving any of this statement if you decide to do nothing? I am here and I look at your faces and wonder, do you care? Because if, it was, if you do not pass SB 14 and start protecting our most vulnerable, it could land on your doorsteps and it could hit your niece, your nephew, your daughter, your granddaughters, your grandsons, eventually that's where it will be. Can you imagine a child you love having a giant man or woman on top of them no matter the color? Hurting them, going in and out of them, stealing their innocence, and causing all types of trauma they will have to deal with forever if they live. I can because that was me. I was that child. All of that happened to me. There's a quote that states by Mamie Till Mobley, what happens to one of us should be the business of all of us. I ask for your vote for SB 14. Thank you. My name is Layla. I am one of many detrained. So Ms. Perkins shares that powerful testimony and yet the legislators, the Democrat legislators still chose to block the bill. Yeah. And that we wanted to actually you to hear from one of the assembly members who's actually part of the new leadership team with our new assembly speaker, Robert Rivas. His name is Assemblyman Isaac Bryan, and he's on this particular committee. He speak, it tries to explain why he's not going to vote for this bill. And you'll get his attitude towards the Justice Department about how he wants to fight crime, and it's not by putting people in prison longer. So let's check it out. Any other comment, Mr. Yes, Brian? There's a lot of courage at this table right now and a lot of power and a lot of strength. And I want to thank you all for coming and for everybody coming. Having been somebody touched by the child welfare system myself and having had hundreds of foster siblings, I know the intersections of many of these systems and how they build on each other. I'm struggling with some different things. One of them is recognizing the complexity that Miss Grayson has brought up that complexity and nuance that breaks us out of these binary right and wrongs because it's complicated. And I see that we can't even fully break out of that because we're using language like victim offenders. I have no idea what a victim offender is. I know people, I know young girls, I know young people who have experienced trauma and pain and had that exploited against them for profit in some instances. I know that what was said is we have learned from the past and I would say we we haven't fully, we are learning. We've been in the process of learning. We used to charge kids under 18 with prostitution knowing that they can't consent. In fact, there are people in this room who fought against 
Safe Harbor bills that protected young people under 18 from being charged with solicitation or prostitution, knowing that they couldn't give consent. There are people in this legislature who fought those kinds of efforts while still trying to shame some of us for being cautious about using the criminal legal system as a means of deterrence when all evidence has shown that longer sentences don't actually stop things from happening. All they do is increase our investment in systems of harm and subjugation at the expense of the investments that the communities needed to not have this be a problem to begin with. The same communities that have the highest rates of human trafficking are the same communities that have the highest unemployment rates, the highest rent burdens, the lowest amount of small businesses owned, the highest economic burdens in our state. But instead of investing the resources to take away the economic incentives in these kinds of illicit markets, we invest all of those resources in our $15 billion plus prison infrastructure. And I struggle with that because the problem is still here and we've been doing that strategy for two and a half decades now. I wanna thank the author. You've been working on this for a long time. And we talked and I've been trying and I've called everybody I know to call, including people in this room. And I've gone back and forth with the righteous intentions that you've brought here and the struggles I have with some of the foundational principles that this kind of legislation is building on. And so I can't get there today, but I want to thank you for your leadership and your courage. I want to thank you for the witnesses who have spoke on both sides. I know that is incredibly difficult and this is not necessarily a safe place, but know that your impact is going to have lasting memory for me and everybody on this dais, regardless of how this vote shapes today. There you go. That's the attitude of many of the legislators up here that crime is the result of low investments in poor communities. And if we, ju if we just had more investments in poor communities, we wouldn't have human trafficking. I bear to differ. There's a lot of rich people <laughs> involved in selling people, right? People are out to make some money and morality has a big part to play. If you don't have any morals, then you're willing to sell people for money. And that's for rich or for poor. And it's just beyond awful to even He's basically trying to compare almost human trafficking to other crimes and saying there's not enough investments to make sure this isn't happening in poor communities. And there's a large difference between someone who goes and steals something from a store versus a person who is human trafficking children and selling children. Yeah, You have to have disincentives. And the, dis the disincentives to do these horrific crimes are not very high. No. In practice, and these... These traffickers are businessmen, and they are doing risk assessments. And they think, hey, I can make a lot of money doing this, and the risk isn't too great, so I'm going to keep it up. Actually, it's less problematic than doing drugs or other type of crimes. Mm -hmm. And so as long as the state doesn't come down on me too hard, as long as they don't go after my buyers very much, I'm going to keep doing it. And we can just pretend to be fighting this all day long. The problem is we're not taking this seriously. But... I think <laughs> this might have been a little too much for even the Democrats to handle because this bill was very popular in the Senate and now it's being stopped in the Assembly. So because of that, Governor Newsom is even talking about it. So let's hear what he said this morning. Uh, 
in the yeah, assembly. I talked to Senator Grove about it this morning, which is indicative of my desire to see what we can do. Yeah, and I want to say nothing more than that because I want to understand exactly what happened yesterday. I didn't have the privilege was with you and doing other things yesterday of watching that, that assembly hearing, but I was well aware that it went through, I think, overwhelmingly through the Senate. So I was surprised by that. It's an area I care deeply about, have since my time as mayor, as a supervisor, working with then district attorney Kamala Harris. We put I think, a few 25 additional million dollars in the budget last year in this space, and I take it very seriously. So I appreciate Shannon Grove's efforts on this and, and wanted to make sure she knew that today. And we'll be following up and we'll have more to say about that very shortly. So again, the bill was blocked yesterday by Democrats in the committee. It blew up all over Twitter. All of the senators and assembly members, a lot of them were tweeting out against this. How can these people block something that's going to protect children from more human trafficking? And evidently, it was such a shock, such an awful thing. It got a response out of Governor Newsom. So again, this all happened yesterday. Newsom spoke this morning. So we're just watching, making phone calls and waiting to see what's going to happen with this bill. We think there's maybe some hope for it down the line. No, and there's also a really popular movie movie out right now that you just saw. Yes, The Sound of Freedom. So if you have not seen The Sound of Freedom, you need to go see it ASAP. It was phenomenal. It did a great job about showing the truth of human trafficking, what these children go through, showing how children are being brought here from other countries to be human trafficked. So go see it. People are trying to get you to not see it. For some reason, they're scared of it. They're saying it's fake, but it's showing stories of real children that have been human trafficked. So between that movie and this bill, I think a lot of people are talking about human trafficking in the media, and hopefully we see some good changes and some good bills to fight it. Yeah, so this bill is not completely dead. It is dead for this year, but it was given reconsideration, which means it can come back next year. So it will have another shot in the same committee in January. So we have a whole year to fight more. Uh, it's not as though this one bill is just the magic pill, but it's the beginning. We can't even do this. We can't even make trafficking of a child a serious felony. There's a problem. Yeah. I think it's not hopeless. More people need to speak up. Culture's now listening. Now's not the time to give up on anything. And so keep calling your legislator. Don't Let's keep them accountable. Yep. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to visit our website, californiafamily.org, to check out our bill watch list, see what bills we're still fighting and watching, make the phone calls off of our action center, and we will see you all next week.